Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR and we are entering peak fantasy football drafting season. Time to get quite serious. So I have, co- of course, I am joined by Evan Silva, the mover, the mover of ADPs, the lord of your top 150 rankings. Evan, what's going on? What's up, man? We're going to talk about a vast array of topics, opt-outs, yeah. uh, rankings changes, and um, news and notes, and uh, let's, let's jump into it. Yeah. Camp is officially open. I know it doesn't feel like it because nobody's hitting, no, there's no practices, but, but camp is open. Um, so on today's show, we're going to talk about some actual news that we've gotten. Like I've actually gotten back into my routine of waking up in the morning and reading as much as I can and trying to tweet out for you guys any news that, that I find, which I is like my favorite thing to do. So I'm glad camp is back. We're going to talk about how some of this news has affected Evan's top 150, including opt-outs, as he mentioned, including some injury news that we got out of camp. Before we get to that, wanted to remind everyone that all of our underdog content is up on the site. Underdog, of course, is the new best ball app. If you do want to do some best ball drafts, use code ETR after you deposit to get entered into a random drawing for some underdog swag and some prizes from us. All right, lots to get to, Evan. As I mentioned, getting some health updates on players. We're getting these unique kind of COVID situation. Evan and I have been through some unique situations before with a lockout year. This is by far the most unique thing that we have been through, people opting out for the COVID situation. Today is Monday. I believe the deadline for opt-outs is Wednesday, although I think that might still be in negotiation, but we probably will get more opt-outs and we'll talk about them more next week or next podcast. But for now, big news opt-out. Headline, Damian Williams, a guy we have talked about a lot on this podcast, has decided to opt out, remaining on the depth chart behind Damian Williams, number 32 overall pick, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. DeAndre Washington, who was added in the offseason, of course, shower narrative with Patrick Mahomes caught 41 balls from Mahomes at Texas Tech in 2015. Daryl Williams, who has stuck around for a while on this team. And Darwin Thompson, whose roster spot, honestly, I thought looked a little shaky. And I had seen some speculation he might, make, he might not even make the team before this. Uh, Damian Williams news. I would also add that Devontae Freeman is still out there as a free agent. Lamar Miller is out there as a free agent. Uh, kind of a punch to the gut, though, with this Damian Williams news. Evan, what was your reaction? Yeah, mo- vast majority of the opt-outs have been like practice squad uh, level players, players that probably weren't even going to make the team and knew it. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, like the, the, the financial, they made a financial decision um, to make sure that they got, they, they're getting money in, in this year that, you know, there, there, may not, there may not be a season, or at least that's, that's what they believe. Uh, with Damian Williams, th- but though this definitely has a significant impact on – uh, the fantasy outlook of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who we now have as, I believe, the number seven or number eight overall player uh, and number seven or eight overall running back uh, in our rankings. We uh, elevated DeAndre Washington into the top 150. Now, there's going to be some debate entering, entering the season. Who is going to be the number two back in KC? Is it going to be Daryl Williams, who's sort of an early down back, um, and you know, a, a replacement level grinder, but you know, sort of like uh, the Chiefs version of Gus Edwards, maybe. Uh, and then Darwin Thompson, who, you know, flashed a little bit uh, last season and then the, the game started and, and he really just wasn't a factor at all. He might not, he might just not be an NFL player. We, we, don't, we don't know that for sure yet. Uh, but last night I was doing a pros versus Joe's draft. And uh, in the 18th round, which is the last round of that draft, I was able to get Darwin Thompson. DeAndre Washington went at a reasonable cost. 
in the 13th or 14th round, Clyde Edwards Hilaire went 101. What? So, yes. So people are um, very, very excited. And I've seen him go in the top five uh, you know, repeatedly in these FFPC drafts where people do have, you know, th- these are for stakes, you know, uh, and, and people do have something on the line here. So, but I sort of uh, agree with that, that Clyde Edwards Hilaire gets the, you know, the, the clear first round bump up. He's, you know, a top eight overall pick. Uh, DeAndre Washington is an excellent late round flyer. And then Darwin Thompson maybe, maybe is being overlooked a little bit uh, if he continues to go in like the 17th, 18th round. I was surprised that he lasted that long there. I want to spend another minute here on, on Edwards Hilaire. One of the concerns that we had was that Damian Williams was, uh, you know, a really good player. And Damian Williams has been productive for the Chiefs in really big spots. He's been an excellent pass catcher. Evans talked about how good Damian Williams was in pass protection. And all these were reasons that we thought Damian Williams would probably, at least in the beginning of the season, cut into Clyde Edwards Hilaire workload a decent amount. The reason to move up Edwards Hilaire is essentially because you think that DeAndre Washington is not as big of a threat to Clyde Edwards Hilaire as Damian Williams was. That being said, I kind of think DeAndre Washington can play, man. Like every time I watched DeAndre Washington and he was a team preseason guy a while back, he had spot starts last year for Josh Jacobs, where he was like, you know, uh, a very like layup play in DFS, drew 19 targets in four spot in four starts, caught 16 of them. And as I mentioned, a Texas Tech played really well in the past game too. So give the people maybe what you think about how much DeAndre Washington can play at least early, maybe a little bit more background than people have on DeAndre Washington. No, I definitely think that he can play. I think we talked about him a little bit on a recent podcast. And uh, yeah, he can catch passes. I think that he's, you know, plenty versatile enough to, uh, you know, like if they had just entered the season with uh, Damian Williams and DeAndre Washington as their top two backs, I think they would have been absolutely fine. Um, I think it says something that DeAndre Washington playing against the Chiefs twice a year for the past four years, and he, they went out and made him one of their, their first you know, free agents that they signed of the offseason. I think that that speaks to the way that they feel about him. They, they think he can play in Kansas City, and you know, all it takes is some opportunity in that offense, and all of a sudden you're talking about an RB2 with RB1 upside. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always been a fan of DeAndre Washington, as have you. And it sounds like the Chiefs are, are fans of him. And if he does get that opportunity, I mean, there, I, I think that, you know, one of the, 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 the most compelling reasons to draft Damian Williams in the sixth or seventh round where he was going was, of course, his, the fact that he already has a built-in relationship with Patrick Mahomes. The fact that he, he knows where to be on the field in that offense and, um, you know, DeAndre Washington isn't necessarily going to enter the season with that. So that is one difference between, you know, how we would value Damian Williams and how we are now valuing DeAndre Washington. And there's, and it's still not a guarantee that DeAndre Washington is going to enter the season as the number two back. But right now, I think he's the, I think he's the favorite to enter the yeah. season as the number two back behind Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You know what this news is going to bring out, Evan? It's going to bring out the people that I think you might hate most. It's the you shouldn't draft until September 1st people. Th- those th- those people are going to be out in full force. They're going to say, look what happened. You took Damian Williams in the seventh round in all your leagues, and now now you're screwed, right? I mean, th- these people are going to be out, in, out of the woodwork. And, of course, we, we did a great show on that. And that, that theory is just, I mean, everyone, when you enter a draft at the same time that you're drafting with 11 other people, Everyone assumes the same risk. They take on the same risk. They're, you don't get a competitive advantage from drafting close to the season. And if anything, the people that haven't done 
that you know haven't put in the work get an advantage by drafting closer this season. And that's really what those people are that complain about you know drafting earlier. They're the people that haven't been paying attention. And, you know, they, they're, they're not equipped to draft early on, but plenty of people are, you know, a lot of people that listen to our show because they're serious fantasy players. They're in this to try to make money to, you know, earn some clout, maybe win a tournament here or there. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's who we're primarily speaking to when we talk about this, uh, this certain topic. And also you see the, uh, the early draft stuff, like the market is just so much uh, uh, less efficient, you know, like all the guys, like, uh, James Conner went from, you know, a fourth or fifth round pick to a second round pick. Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller keeps moving up and Leone keeps tweeting out, you know, he, he's been keeping track of how the market moves in NFFC drafts. And you can see a lot of guys that we liked are now one, two, three rounds more expensive than they were two months ago. And that's to me is the biggest argument for drafting early. Um, okay. Anyways, we have a lot to get to here. We, we've, we've dabbled long enough. Devin Funches. Uh, decided to opt out as well. And, you know, I, I really did think that it wasn't going to be close. Like, I thought Alan Lazard was just going to ice Devin Funches for the wide receiver two role anyways. But now it's just like a, a total cakewalk. I mean, Lazard has, like, almost no competition for this role opposite Devontae Adams. Lazard actually led all Packers pass catchers in adjusted yards per attempt from Aaron Rodgers last season. Shout out to John Daigle for, uh, for that stat. And most importantly, I think Aaron Rodgers just, like, capes for this dude. I mean... Uh, Alan Lazard is like the anti Jeff Janis, whereas Rogers hated Jeff Janis. He freaking loves Alan Lazard. He's like tells the coaches to put Alan Lazard on the field. So I know it's a small thing removing Devin Funches, but I still thought it was notable. And I still think Alan Lazard is one of my favorite flyers, which, by the way, I put out my favorite flyers guys with an ADP of 120 or more last week, if you want to check that out in the draft kit. But anyways, I, I think that Alan Lazard uh, is one of my favorite. Maybe I don't know where you can get him now. 12th, 13th round or something like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fine. I think at the end of the day, he's unlikely to really help us very much in fantasy. Uh, last year, Allen's already played in 18 games. He went over 70 yards once all season. Um, you know, I, he went undrafted out of Iowa State after playing there four years and having a ton of catches and a ton of tape on him. And, you know, I, I totally agree with you that the trust factor uh, is working in his favor. And that's why we have him in the top 150. Uh, but on a run first team, where, where, you know, with a target dominator there, uh, I think it's going to be hard for Alan Lazard, um, you know, to really help us in season-long redraft now. Based on his pricing in DFS, he very well may be a guy that we look at. Um, he may be an intriguing uh, matchup play at times. I don't think he's a bad best ball pick at all. Um, but I think that the, up, the upside is probably a little bit uh, capped on him, but he is in the top 150. I moved up rather than moving up Alan Lazard when Devin Funches opted out. I just moved up Equinemius St. Brown and Valdez Scantling a little bit. Um, they are not in the top 150. They're actually well shy of it, but um, that's kind of how I went about uh, adjusting for Devin Funches. He was signed to a one-year $2.5 million deal. He yeah. might not have even made the 53 had he um, you know, not opted out. So uh, not, not a big, big impact opt out, but um, yeah, definitely worth discussing. Yeah. And, and I think there's going to be games where the Packers are going to get into some shootouts. I mean, we saw it a couple of times last year, I believe it was maybe the Giants game where, where they just got into a wild shootout. And in those types of environments, I think Alan Zard can really play well in games where it's going to be uh, more of hand the ball off 30 times and try to ride their defense. Of course, Alan Zard's going to be in trouble. So yeah, just something to keep in mind there. Let's talk about the Eagles wide receiver situation. Marquise Goodwin 
opted out. You know, I didn't think he was going to have a huge role, but he was at least insurance behind Deshaun Jackson in the speedster role. But I mean, with this Alshon Jeffrey news and Alshon Jeffrey news is beat writers remain conflicted, I think, at times or at least skeptical that Alshon Jeffrey is going to be ready for week one. And and we've heard so much uh, about how the Eagles wanted to get rid of him, the contract situation uh, notwithstanding. Now, I know that, you know, uh, uh, rookies like CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy and and Henry Ruggs, people, if they if those guys were in this situation, people would be so excited about it. But from the stuff I've seen, you know, from the production data and the measurables, if Jalen Rieger had gone to LSU, if Jalen Rieger had gone to Alabama, I mean, people would just be rock hard for this dude. His quarterback play was so, so, so bad in college. So I don't question the talent. And I think the opportunity is kind of ticking up. You have moved Jalen Rieger up, I believe, to wide receiver 40 now. How do you feel about Rieger in the wake of some of this Marquise Goodwin, Alshon Jeffrey news? Love him. Love him. And, you know, there's sort of been a narrative that um, that fantasy analysts are in general like fading rookies this year. Well, what we're what we are doing at Establish the Run is we are going on a case by case basis. OK, so look, in a situation, it's, it's unavoidable that Jalen Re- that, that the pathway is clearing for Jalen Rieger to be a, a high volume weapon. Um, you even have uh, uh, Adam Kaplan, the longtime Eagles insider, saying he thinks that Jalen Rieger is going to lead all, all the Eagles receivers in snaps and targets and production. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that Deshaun Jackson is still on shaky status, although I think I need to start ticking him back up after moving him down after he made like anti Semitic uh, remarks. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to open the season on reserve PUP. We don't really know what J.J. Orsega-Whiteside is, but he's given us indications that he might not be very much. Um, and then Marquise Goodwin opts out, and Marquise Goodwin was was probably just going to be a guy that they played like 20 or 30% of the snaps. He also might not have even made the team um, if he had gotten beaten out by um, uh, John Hightower or uh, Quez Watkins, who they took, who are a bull speedsters that they took on day three of the draft. But yeah, the, the C's are really parting for Jalen Rieger here. Uh, we're not fading rookies across the board. Um, we are, you know, there are certain instances where we like veterans more because the, the rookies continue to get, you know, less and less practice time as the, as the practice, practice time projections emerge. But, uh, but Jalen Rieger, I mean, they're, they're going to have to throw him out there, play him a ton of snaps, get him a bunch of targets from a good quarterback who's willing to uh, throw the ball downfield aggressively and throw the ball into tight windows in Carson Wentz. Um, yeah, I mean, Jalen Rieger, we're staying ahead of, of ADP on him. And right now we're well out in front. Like if you're using the rankings, you're probably going to have a really good shot at Jalen Rieger. Yeah, I, I mean, people underestimate Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz threw for 4,000 yards and 27 touchdowns last year with just total dust at wide receiver. You know, like Nelson Aguilar and Greg Ward and and – uh, you know, uh, uh, Alshon Sheffer was hobbling around out there. Like what he can do with it, real weaponry on the outside, I think is exciting. And yeah, it sucks that Jalen Rieger, Jalen Rieger has not been able to practice with Carson Wentz. But I think in this situation and really what we're projecting with this rookie stuff is opportunity. Like there's a difference between Jalen Rieger's opportunity and say, uh, maybe we're skeptical about Jonathan Taylor's opportunity early in the season or something like that. Like there's a big difference in that. So yeah, I, I really like Jalen Rieger as well. All right. We got some yeah, big at the news. end of the day, it's all about opportunity. That's okay. what we're trying to project. You know, the lack of practice time and zero exhibition games can definitely could potentially take away from some guy's opportunity. 
there's, there's just not a way that it can take away from Jalen Rieger's opportunity because he's going to need to be thrust in there. I think the same is the case with uh, Brandon Ayuk. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now I have Rieger, R- Henry Ruggs, and Brandon Ayuk all kind of bunched right together. Rieger is the first guy. I think Ruggs is the second guy. Ayuk is the third guy. Um, but I think we're going to talk a little bit more about Ayuk in a second. Yeah, we will. And I like all three of those guys for sure, even though they are rookies. Uh, okay. Some relatively big news down in Tampa. LaShawn McCoy was signed by Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bucks. I mean, maybe I'm too skeptical on old guys, but this is a guy who was cut by the Bills. He was a healthy scratch for the Chiefs down the stretch last year. And and LaShawn McCoy and Andy Reid are like good friends. Like, you know, to healthy scratch him in the Super Bowl and the playoffs, I thought that spoke volumes. LaShawn McCoy was also on the street until August of this year. I, I think I get it. Uh, I get that people think that this is going to have a big impact on Ronald Jones or whoever. I actually think that it's a very specific role they want him to compete for. And I think it's actually the Dare role, the Dare Gunawable role. I don't actually think that it's the Ronald Jones role. And maybe I could be wrong there, but I really think this is more of a commentary on Keyshawn Vaughn, on Dare Gunawable than it is on Ronald Jones. And if this causes Ronald Jones ADP to sink a little bit, I actually think that's a good thing for people who have been targeting him. And I've been warming up to Ronald Jones a bit as well. So, you know, I don't, I don't really have much evidence to back that take. That's just kind of my gut feeling. I'm curious what you thought about LaShawn McCoy signing with Tampa. Well, I think that at the end of the day, how playing time in the Bucks backfield is going to be determined is going to be by Tom Brady. Like they're not going to put any running back out there that Tom Brady doesn't feel comfortable playing with. And that may seem like a cop out, but I, I think that that's really the, the truth. And during the 14 days of padded practices, um, that's going to go a long way toward determining whether, you know, wh- which of these guys is going to get the most playing time. It could be Ogan Boale. I think that he's probably at the end of the line, but I think that it's not crazy to think that he could emerge as the guy that Tom Brady trusts. It could be LaShawn McCoy. I mean, he's played a lot of years in the league. Um, Ronald Jones, I think, is the most talented back that they have, uh, maybe Keyshawn Vaughn, but Keyshawn Vaughn is, it looks like he's really, you know, his momentum has really screeched to a halt and, um, you know, he got placed on the COVID list. Again, we don't know if the COVID list uh, means they, they can't say this, these things publicly. We don't know if he was actually diagnosed with COVID or if he just uh, had been in contact with somebody that had COVID symptoms, they automatically get placed on there and quarantined, but that certainly sets him back. Uh, to some extent. So we've got four candidates for playing time. I think at the end of the day, man, I mean, I I don't really want any of them. Um, Of course, there's a price at which I would take each, you know, any of them, but they're not, none of of these guys, I'm not going out of my way to target any of these guys. Ronald Jones in the seventh round, I think is is fine. Uh, But, you know, aside from that, they're, they're a bunch of late round dart throws. Yeah, I, I'm not interested in any of the other three. I do think that this LaShawn McCoy news could sink Ronald Jones into like the eighth round maybe. And I think that would be uh, pretty exciting. And I think, maybe not exciting, but that would be something I would want to pull the trigger on. Probably especially if I was making a build like for best ball draft where I needed running back uh, in that spot. Because I do want to have most of my running backs in best ball by round 10. You guys can read more about that uh, on the site and all of our best ball stuff. Um, okay. More NFL news. Antonio Brown officially suspended for eight games. Of course, he doesn't have a team. If he can find a team willing to put up with him, which I'm kind of skeptical of at this point anyways, but if he can find a team to put up with him, rumors have been Ravens, rumors have been Seahawks. If he can 
find someone to put up with him, he'll be suspended eight games. So for me in season long, I don't really want to hold this guy for eight games uh, on my bench when I want to be churning my bench. But I get it because he's Antonio Brown and he looked so good last year in that one game for the Patriots. Um, Would you take Antonio Brown and try to stash him? And have you heard anything else about where, if anybody's willing to put up with him? And the eight game suspension was handed down only in related to two of the offenses for which he is being investigated by the NFL. And the one that it was not handed down for, uh, I think is the most serious. Uh, So no, he's, you know, I pulled him out of the top 150 a while back and I'm not, you know, he's not going back in. That's for sure. I wouldn't take him in any season long redraft. Uh, Ryan Reynolds and I, Ryan Reynolds, who does our waiver wire column, uh, we drafted him in Scott Fishbowl in like the 13th or 14th round. Oh, well, you know, um, I think you could take him in best ball, but it would have to be really, really late. You know, you're, I mean, you're taking zeros for half the season. Who even knows if we're going to, if the season's going to last as long as his suspension is for, and he could get suspended for more games. Mm-hmm. So no, he's, he's not going, going in the top 150. And um, he's, I think he's a full, full fade in uh season long redraft. Yeah, and I would not take him in best ball either. I think you're just eating too many zeros, and especially you don't even right. know what team he'll be back on and what exa- his exact role will be. Like by the time he comes back, he'll have played one game in 2018. He's going to step right into midseason and just start crushing. Like I don't know, that would surprise me too. So, so yeah, time to be out on Antonio Brown. All right, let's talk about some rankings changes you've made lately. You moved Dallas Goddard up to tight end 13 from tight end 16. Dallas Goddard is now ahead of Ian Thomas, so I know we both like. He's ahead of Mike Gesicki, who you don't like, but I do like. He's ahead of TJ Hawkinson, who I think we both like. Um, it's an interesting tier. And like this is the kind of group that I want to attack at tight end, assuming I miss on Kelsey Kittle. But why the move up of Dallas Goddard? Uh, it was while I was doing the Eagles uh, uh, fantasy preview, which is like 95% done and should be posted on the site. Uh, as soon as like I can finish some of these expert drafts that I'm in, I'm in like so freaking many. <laughs> um, but yeah, just as, as I was doing, I mean, the floor is really, really strong, I think still. Um, and the upside is just league winner if something happens to Zach Ertz. So he fits the profile of a player that I like to draft. I, I love high floor, high upside players. That's Dallas Goddard. Um, I do think that his – his usage is probably going to come down a little bit, his baseline usage, but I still think that there's an excellent floor there. He, he keeps getting better every year. I mean, he's a stud. And, um, and he play, again, he plays in a good offense. I like the Eagles this year, um, and I still think he's going to play maybe not quite as many. I think he was around 60 70% of the snaps last year. Um, I think that he, he probably is more in the 50 to 60 range this season. Uh, but that floor and that ceiling, I think, are excellent. I drafted him last night in the pros for Joe's. My tight end unit was um, uh, – and it's a best ball league. Rob Gronkowski, Dallas Goddard, and Blake Jarwin did a Cowboys stack with uh, uh, Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, and Ezekiel Elliott and Blake Jarwin. Oh, wow. I like that. Um, yeah, I, Eagles for sure are going to be among the league leaders in two tight end sets, along with the Browns, along with the Vikings. Um, you know, like those teams are, are so obviously going to be among the league leaders. In two tight end sets, it feels a little bit off or weird to be excited about a second tight end in an offense, considering there's so many teams with their tight end one who we aren't excited about. So, uh, you know, I think there's maybe 
I don't know. I can make cases for all of Ian Thomas, Jasicki, and Hawkinson above Dallas Goddard, but I agree. If Zach Ertz, if something happens to Zach Ertz, it's just totally Yahtzee fest for Dallas Goddard. He also got just absolutely cold cocked at a bar. Uh, I can't believe the video got out there. That was ridiculous. But, but yeah, he just got laid out at a bar in like South Dakota or something. Um, what a world. Uh, okay. Mark Ingram has moved up in your rankings. Mark Ingram is now the RB20 up from RB29. Mark Ingram is now ahead of David Johnson. He's now ahead of David Montgomery. He's now ahead of Raheem Mostert. He's now ahead of Devin Singletary. And J.K. Dobbins is now down at RB29. Talk to the people about the Ravens backfield and your latest thoughts. Yeah, so I think when I started, you know, doing the rankings and and the tiers and all that, um, you know, I I thought that J.K. Dobbins – you know, the situation has just changed, the world situation, the, the climate, all that. You know, I thought that J.K. Dobbins, well, first of all, in the Ravens offense, you don't, like running backs don't have as many responsibilities as they do in, say, the Chiefs offense. So, you know, they, they don't run as many routes. They don't have to pass protect as much. You know, they don't need to be, you know, they don't really, you know, Mark Ingram in lining up in the slot, you know. Um, so, you know, it really comes down to running ability on how playing time is going to be determined. I think that J.K. Dobbins is a better straight-up runner than Mark Ingram. Um, with that said, as we've gotten to the point, I mean, J.K. Dobbins has has fallen behind, and Mark Ingram has, like, leadership working on his side. He has, you know, one of the best offense in the league work, working on his side. I think that he has a high floor, even if J.K. Dobbins were to, say, make it an even committee with Mark Ingram, I still think Mark Ingram would be usable in mm-hmm. fantasy as like a low end RB two at worst with, you know, a, still a very high touchdown ceiling. Look, he's due for a lot of regression in the touchdown. Column. He's not going to score, score five receiving touchdowns. Again, he scored 15 touchdowns in 15 games last year. That's difficult to do. I still think the Ravens are going to produce at an elite level from an offensive standpoint. They have a favorable schedule. Um, they have a ton of continuity. Their OC, their HC, their quarterback, their number one receiver, you know, their number one uh, running back, four or five offensive line starters. All those guys are coming back. Um, so, and I, you know, I look at David Johnson and I look at David Montgomery, the guys that I moved them ahead of, and I'm like, I'd rather have Mark Ingram than those guys at this point. Um, there are flaws with Mark Ingram. Again, the touchdown regression is coming. J.K. Dobbins is dangerous. I mean, mm-hmm. he is dangerous still. Um, and Mark Ingram is not going to catch a ton of passes, but you know, David Johnson, I don't think is going to catch a ton of passes either, unfortunately. And I don't think David Montgomery is either. And Le'Veon Bell, who we also moved ahead of, I, I really want no part of, and we'll, we'll be talking about that on, on a podcast very soon. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I think maybe, maybe this is fancy play syndrome, but people could consider like you want to mix and match running back for time of the year. You expect them to peak. So like, Marlon Mack and Carryon Johnson, they're most likely to be best early in the year before DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor come on. And J.K. Dobbins is most likely to be best at the end of the year if he can pass up Mark Ingram or Mark Ingram runs out of gas or or gets hurt or, or whatever. So if you ma- mix and match something like that, it's just an idea to think of. I think it's a little bit of FPS, probably fancy play syndrome, but it's just something to keep in mind if you want to explore that path. Um, all right, we've spent a ton of time on Raheem Mostert on this podcast. I don't want to spend a ton of time here. I did just want to mention that he did get his new deal. Agent tweeted it out. He's happy. He, he got some more money. And as Evan predicted, his ADP went from after the trade request went down and now it's on its way back up now that he's been paid. Evan brought him back up to RB26. 
from RB32. I still have my concerns about Raheem Mostert and exactly what his role is going to be with Tevin and with his pass catching role, not necessarily completely there, but his price is certainly reasonable. Uh, quick reaction to Raheem Mostert getting the money. Yeah, I mean, the situation just kind of went just as we predicted. You know, Raheem Mostert was not asking for a lot of money. It made all the sense in the world for the 49ers to pay him. And they showed a little bit of commitment there, um, a little bit of faith in Raheem Mostert. And he deserved the bump up the rankings. I think that in ADP, his ADP is going to skyrocket too high uh, at this point. And I guess we'll, we'll just we'll have to wait and see. But he was a like a fourth and fifth round pick. Uh, until he requested the trade, his ADP went down to like seventh round. That was the time to draft him as we talked about him on the SIG pod. Yeah. And now I think that we could, we could see him as the season edges, edges closer uh, as like a late third, early fourth round pick. Um, and that's not something that I, I want to invest in. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of the 49ers, uh, I couldn't believe like when Debo Samuel first went down and he had a Jones fracture, people were like, Oh yeah, he'll be back for, for week one, I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And now the 49ers have admitted that it seems likely or they said he, quote unquote, might have to miss games, which to me means he's pretty likely to miss yeah. some games with Will Debo Samuel. And, and I could see him starting the year on reserve pup also. Um, Brandon Ayuk has moved up to wide receiver 42 in your rankings. Jalen Hurd has moved up to wide receiver 57 in your rankings. They have George Kittle. We know and we talked about before, we know they like Kendrick Bourne, particularly in the red zone, like they legit run plays for Kendrick Bourne in the red zone. We know they don't like Dante Pettis. They do have Trent Taylor, but I think by far their most exciting players to replace Debo Samuel are Brandon Ayuk and Jalen Hurd. So I know you're tempted to go super high on these guys. I assume that Ayuk and Hurd are now way above market. Yo, and Kendrick Bourne Twitter is like a real thing. Like anytime you tweet <laughs> about like Brandon Ayuk or Jalen Hurd, like, what are you doing sleeping on Kendrick Bourne? You know, like an undrafted role player with, you know, like four, seven speed. And yeah, you know, I mean, he's going to, you know, do some things over the course of the year, but that's not the kind of guy that you want to, on. I mean, you're talking about Kendrick Moore. We're talking about a player that the 49ers traded up for in the first round mm -hmm. to go get in Brandon Ayuk and just an absolute insane running back tight end wide receiver athlete in Jalen Hurd. They took in the third round when they, you know, at a complete luxury pick. Uh, last year in Jalen Hurd and just tore up the preseason and Ayuk was you know it, just such a perfect fit for what Kyle Shanahan loves to do and that's create yards after catch he finished third in the nation and um in yards after uh yards after the catch per uh, yards after catch yards after catch total last year and then yards after contact he was first in the nation among all wide receivers so Brandon Ayuk and, and Jalen Hurd are definitely the the talents to target in this wide receiver core, obviously George Kittle, I think is, we, we talked that not, that's my favorite stack of the year is George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo. George Kittle costs you something for sure, but Jimmy Garoppolo costs you nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we're looking at the wide receiver core, I think that IU clearly has the most upside. Uh, Jalen Hurd probably has the second most upside. And then there's a bunch of role players like Trent Taylor, the little slot receiver, uh, Kendrick Bourne, who you, who you mentioned, you know, kind of like a third down, red zone role player. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Brandon Ayuk, if you're looking for upside, I, I really like him as a wide receiver five right now.
Yeah. And uh, by the way, it's the rules in some of these best ball leagues, like on underdog, like if they get the first four games of the season or four, six games of the season in, and then it's canceled, I'm pretty sure the standings stand and the 49ers have the most outrageous schedule to start the year. Yes, I mean, yes, it's, I mean, Evan's talked about it playing. They play the Giants, the Jets. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous who they play in the first four five weeks um okay here's one where we disagree people like when we disagree evan here's one where we disagree and and uh mike leone is actually on your side on this too you have moved up rob gronkowski to tight end eight now um give it well first why don't you tell me why you moved him up even further i, I would not have even had him at tight end 10 but why don't you tell me why you moved him up even further and then i thought I about not moving him up just because i knew that the blowback was coming from you <laughs> but um, loves it. i mean leone has the bucks scoring like a bazillion touchdowns so of course he has ground for yeah I mean, well listen i mean they are because of how good they are on defense and the fact that they're not going to give the, the ball to the other team 30 you know 40 times this year mm-hmm. again i think that they're going to like just live in really favorable uh field position and so when you look at the tight ends around whom Rob Gronkowski is ranked, I just think that he has the most touchdown equity of all of them. And at the end of the day, like tight end scoring is, can be so heavily tied when you're not up getting 130 targets like Zach Ertz. Um, tight end scoring can be so heavily dictated by touchdowns and Rob Gronkowski can easily score eight to 10 touchdowns. And a bunch of the guys that, you know, you're looking at, I mean, Austin Hooper, is he going to score eight to 10 touchdowns? No. You know, so I think that putting Rob Gronkowski, and I have a lot more faith in the usage of Rob Gronkowski than I do in like Tyler Higby. And, um, you know, when, if you just go through that tier of tight ends, they, they do not instill confidence. I think that there is a level of confidence they could have in Rob Gronkowski being the number one red zone target on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the guy with whom, Tom Brady has the most familiarity. Um, so I, I, it's, I think it's a touchdown play and that's, yeah. that's, that's, you know, variant and that, that's high, that can be volatile. But with Rob Gronkowski, I think that he's just, you know, he's, he's a good bet to get a lot of red zone targets. Yeah. So I'd say a few things. First, I, I hate just being in on a guy, just pro- trying to project touchdowns because they're so hard to project. The second thing that I would say is, and maybe this is too much of a real football guy take. I mean, I think the biggest thing, and you said, is who can protect Tom Brady. Tristan Wirfs is a rookie playing right tackle. Donovan Smith, you know, Brandon has said he thinks Donovan Smith is very shaky on the left side. Um, I think they're going to ask Rob Gronkowski, who at this point in his career, best skill is blocking, to block a ton. And I think he's going to stay in and try to protect Tom Brady uh, a ton. When we last saw Rob Gronkowski, he was best skill by far was blocking, only 47 catches in 13 games, only three touchdowns in 13 games back in 2018. I think getting the year off will help him be more explosive and probably be healthier. But still, I just don't want to, I just don't think he's going to run enough routes. I don't think he's going to be as uh, as dominant as he was before. And I think that betting on touchdowns is really shaky. And, and Tampa Bay could score a, just a ton of touchdowns. All that said, you know, I agree with you that I'm not excited about Austin Hooper or uh, Jared Cook. Like I wouldn't take any of these guys in that tier. I would personally wait for the tier we already talked about, which to me is Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, Ian Thomas, Mike Jasicki, TJ Hawkinson, Blake Jarwin. Like that's the tier I want to pick from where they go so much later. And to me, they do have upside that's bigger, non-touchdown dependent upside that's bigger than Rob Gronkowski. So yeah, just that range uh, I'm out on in tight ends for sure. Um, and yeah, God, I don't know. I just have such old man bias, but it would surprise me if Gronk you know, got anywhere near like 900 receiving yards. He's, he's only 31, man. I yeah. Mean, he's, he's a lot younger than you. 
a lot, a lot younger. I uh, believe me, I'm going through a full blown midlife crisis. He, he, he's a, he's a lot, he's he's a lot younger than me. Um, okay, and yeah, like I said, Leonie's on your side. I'm actually doing a, a live stream draft with Leonie, and I'm sure he's going to try to get me to take Gronk, and we're going to have uh, we're going to have to have an argument about it. Uh, anyway, speaking of tight ends, and speaking of a tight end, I actually am excited about Evan Ingram. Uh, who we were a little bit worried about coming off of a Liz Frank injury and so many other injuries through his career. He's going to be eased into camp, so they say, but he is not starting the camp on Pup, which I think is a really good sign. You moved him ahead of Darren Waller now. Evan Ingram is the TE5. I mean, if you watch Evan Ingram play, like you know this dude is a baller uh, when he's been healthy. I think that Daniel Jones can have really ton of spiked weeks, as he showed last year, four games over 30 DraftKings points in just 12 starts. So yeah, to me, uh, Evan Ingram is one of the more exciting kind of early mid round tight end picks. It comes with some risk due to the foot. Uh, but I think still, you're not going to find much more upside at the position in the middle rounds. So I think it's pretty much a no brainer move for you to go ahead and move him above Darren Waller. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's about what it comes down to. He's a, a dynamic player. Um, he's in a contract year. Um, I like the rapport that he flashed with Daniel Jones before he got hurt last year. You know, Evan Ingram was on pace for 136 targets through eight games last year. That would have tied Travis Kelsey for most among tight ends. Um, so just to be able to have that, you know, that target commanding presence uh, whatsoever um, puts him in, you know, in, in, in pretty solid company. I, I understand, like, you know, injury predict, prediction Twitter is all over you know, never draft Evan Ingram. You know, I don't care if he's the 17th. You could get him in the 17th round. You never take him. He's getting hurt. You know, he'll never play 16 games. Well, what if he plays 12? He'll never play 16 games, right. you know. They, they um, think that – they think in those other four games you have to take a zero. You can't put in another tight end. <laughs> right. But uh, – no, I'm, I'm kidding. But, but I mean, Evan Ingram – yeah, I mean, look, he's, he's a, a fairly low-floor – um, you know, tight end one pick with top three tight end one upside. And if you're playing for first, uh, he's a guy that you're going to be willing to forgive him, you know, with some of his injury risks, sort of like Will Fuller. He's, mm -hmm. you know, a, a great comparison probably to Will Fuller um, uh, with, without as, as clear of a, a straight line to dominating targets within his offense, because Golden Tate's going to get the rock. Sterling Shepard's going to get the rock. Darius Slayton's going to get the rock. Saquon's going to get the rock. Um, but still, like, you know, one of the most talented receiving tight ends in the league. Yeah. Uh, Evan Ingram, Will Fuller is the all zero condom team this year. You got You got to do it. Um, by the way, breaking news into the podcast. We're about to wrap up here. But breaking news in the podcast, Jordan Reed, often concussed Jordan Reed, has signed with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, obviously, a connection to Kyle Shanahan. I assume they'll come in there, see how healthy he is, see if he can help in a kind of uh, uh, role, uh, pass down role. Uh, for them behind George Kittle. So I don't know. We'll talk more about it, but any immediate reaction to Jordan Reed signing with the 49ers? Um, no, I saw it. Uh, just turned 30 last month. Um, I just, I don't know what he's got left. I mean, I haven't, I feel like I haven't seen Jordan Reed play in years. Yeah. Um, he didn't play last year. Yeah, he, he didn't play at all last year. So, yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to I'll, – I'll, I'll write him up and I'll look more into him. But, um, oof. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he, he hasn't averaged uh, – his. Um, he, he's done very, very little recently. Yeah. No, I know. I don't think he's really going to be much of a factor uh, at all. But we'll talk more about it later. 
All right. That's going to do it for this news and rankings episode of the podcast. We'll be back next time with our bus, biggest bus. Guys, we will not be drafting at all. Think you guys will like that episode. Stay tuned for it. As always, DraftKit is available on the site for just $34.99. Comes with a $25 FFPC coupon to use in any league. So for producer Luke, for Evan, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.